0: Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Lee Ryder and Chris quaff and it's time for our weekend review and what a weekend. Cast United winning 3-2 in one of the most uh, entertaining second halves we've seen in a while at St James's Park. It was St James' Park at its best, the crowd at its best. Uh, Lee, we, we've talked about the game but what I want to really get onto is the fact that if um, Mike Ashley was watching that, wherever he was watching it from, you just hope that he that he saw what we saw and we saw Newcastle at its best and if he's going to be here long term that he sees that he has got an asset in front of him but it, it, the foundations there are there for uh, what could be a successful future
3: yeah it's, it's renewed enthusiasm if you like and w- he has kind of fed off that before um, you know he has had these little kind of stints where you know he, he suddenly falls in love with football again but then quickly can fall out of love with it so you know you just hope it isn't a false dawn Uh, from his point of view he'll he'll firmly have his business head on and he'll be thinking you know we're going to be a Premier League team next season unless something absolutely catastrophic happens Um, you know they're only a win or two away or a win and a draw away from doing it Uh, but Saturday was it was uplifting it was a a good result against a good team Uh, but more importantly it showed the togetherness uh, from the dressing room Well certainly I suppose
0: many people would say that the foundations which are there that's a good spine of players the crowd being passionate is probably held together by one man and that is of course Rafa Benitez we're getting closer to that magic but we don't really know what the magic number point is he's mentioned quite a few uh, tallies but we are getting closer to Newcastle being safe and it's going to turn to his future quite quickly
4: well he's reassessed over the weekend and now he said two more wins which would take them to 40 points I think given the results elsewhere over the weekend it looks like because the bottom two are going to accrue so few points, the tally's going to be slightly higher than people thought, or certainly mathematically. I think that mid-30s, you'll probably be all right. But in terms of to be able to say, yes, we'll definitely be in the Premier League, Benitez is now thinking 40 points, which he wasn't before. So that's still two wins, Newcastle on 34. But then his future will We spoke a little bit about it on Friday, because... Today, actually Monday, <clears throat> excuse me, is the three year anniversary that he took over. He was asked about why he came again. He reiterated the same sort of things the city, the size of the club, the fans, similarities with Liverpool, but then he was asked does he does he still see Newcastle as that sort of project club and he basically intimated that it could be um but at the moment it focuses on survival. He still needs reassurances from the club to commit his future and for the first time on Friday, he did albeit reluctantly hint that he would be willing to go abroad because he he says he would prefer to stay in England prefer to stay close to his family but I think he wants to dangle that carrot out there that look I can go abroad if necessary there's a lot of clubs abroad maybe not in England because I think he's run out of options here but there's a lot of clubs abroad who may want my services and if Newcastle United aren't going to match my ambition then I will look elsewhere
0: We kind of had this moment last season uh, when Newcastle beat Manchester United it was absolutely brilliant the crowd were that 12th man Um, do you foresee that if there are any potential buyers out there because of course again it's not just when we get to see if that Benitez's future will be up for discussion there'll be a a chance to buy a Premier League club um, which has maybe put a few people off um, over the last few months do you think that was a good advert for anyone who maybe wants to buy the club they saw the passion of the fans they saw the foundations that are there
4: it was an excellent advert I'd say the best advert would have been for anyone who was inside the stadium now, I don't, I'm not aware that there was anyone who potentially wants to buy the club there. But just the noise, second off the atmosphere, Saint James's Park, you can get that back to that sort of levels on a regular basis if you put a bit of money and if there's a bit of ambition there. If the vision Rafa Benitez has, I wrote this in a piece yesterday, would be that that would be a fortnight nightly occurrence at Newcastle. Not that they coming from 2 0 down, but that the crowd are so enthused by what they see out on the pitch. I've always said all along that I think it's most likely a takeover would happen in the off-season than any other time. So if Newcastle can get safe, that would give it more time for the fact that maybe there'll be a takeover at the moment. uh, It seems like Mike Ashley's going to be owner at least for the short term and so the focus for now has to be on survival and then we just have to hope that A, Raf Benitez stays and then potentially B, maybe there is a takeover during the summer at some stage.
0: I mean, Lee, just give an insight to the fans just how Benitez was after that game. Um, it wasn't really a typical Benitez display. I think you've, you've mentioned it over the weekend. It was a lot more Kevin Keegan, Siboy Robson style. But I mean, what was he like
3: after the game? In terms of mood, I think he was, for me, he was, you know, he was pleased with the result. But he, very businessman-like in his press conference, uh, you know, made a few points. Uh, got in a good point about Ayosi Perez, which we've got on the website this morning. Uh, talking about like you know yes sometimes he does give the ball away and he's frustrating but generally speaking you don't write him off because he can produce moments like he did at the weekend and he's now building up a very impressive goal tally uh, he's, you know he went level with Craig Bellamy um, but if debate over the fact uh he got called a, a legend in one headline uh, for me uh, whether he's a legend or not you know Probably not for me to say, but at the end of the day, this is a guy who scored Champions League goals. He scored winning goals against Sunderland. He was a very, very popular player during his time here. And for Perez to be on the same amount of goals as as Bellamy now, I think that's a real, you know, thing for him to stick on his CV, if you like. And, you know, going forward, he's within swinging distance of Denver Bar. Uh, As tally of twenty nine, Gary Speed on twenty nine as well. You know, two two players that the crowd loved here, Uh, and you know he can go into the top ten now if if he gets a couple more goals this season. So I think that's a really, you know, let's give the kid a bit of credit where it's due. He's doing very well at the minute.
0: Well, certainly. Do you think
3: uh, Prez is maybe one of the bargains of the Premier League year? Well, one point six million, I think he cost. Uh, Newcastle pulled out. Uh, the stops to get him here because there was so much competition, but for some reason he, he really liked the idea of, of you know pulling on the black and white shirt. He could have gone to a lot of big clubs in Spain, but he wanted to come here. He wanted to play in the Premier League, and he's he's made a good account of himself in the time he's been here. Um, we're not talking about him as a legend just yet, um, but you know if he continues to bang the goals in, uh, I think he's got every chance of you know being a, a very revered player.
0: I suppose Chris, the point is, is that Benitez has always held faith in him, even when the critics were really going for Perez, and even when Benitez took him out of the, the limelight kind of and put him on the bench, Benitez has always had that faith in him and always relied on him. Um, and Perez is now you know repaying that faith,
4: yeah. He is. And I've, I've written a piece today talking about sort of Almiron, and, and that maybe on Saturday he didn't seem as electrifying as he was in his debut against Huddersfield, but what Almiron has done is he's created space for Perez and also Rondon and the three of them are working well together and I think Perez has really benefited from this change of formation. Beforehand, he was asked to do a specific job for Benitez. He was playing in a, in a number 10 role in inverted commas but realistically he wasn't doing what an architect, uh, architectural number 10 was doing because he was asked almost what he was doing off the ball and when your castle out of possession was more important or just as important as what he was doing with it and, and on the rare occasions he did get the ball, he could be frustrating... But Benitez has always trusted him he always knows he will carry out a game plan and now that, that Perez has been liberated a little bit much more partly because runs onto the team partly because of the change of formation we are seeing what Perez can do in a, in an attacking sense look he's, he's always going to split opinion he's always going to frustrate because there are moments where he does pick the wrong option or his control isn't great or his pass he runs down a blind alley whatever but then he can also do moments like he did for the first goal on Saturday, which was, I know Benitez was slightly tongue-in-cheek when he compared it with if Lionel Messi had done it, then we'd be talking about it, but it was sublime and he spoke afterwards about just knowing that Rondon was going to be there and that's the sort of quality he can bring and hopefully in this more liberated position, if he continues to play that going forward, we see a bit more of that in the defensive sense. He scored three goals and provided an assist in the four matches since uh, Almiron started and hopefully he's going to continue to benefit from that increased space and the fact that he's not the only uh, creative player who's really fo- the focus of, of the opposition
0: Fingers crossed uh, Just uh, this is Podcast Sport you in association with eToro and just a reminder to head over to our new Twitter account which is EIBW Podcast and if you can like and subscribe on iTunes and whatever pod- podcast platform you listen through. Lee, are you getting the feeling that Benitez is willing to stay at Newcastle United?
3: Uh, not yet. I don't think he's said anything really that has been a cast iron, you know, guarantee that he's going to stay. Um, a couple of little hints have been dropped in terms of what he wants. He wants a project. He wants, uh, I'm, you know, I've, I'm rattling it off. I, I seem to do it every week, but you know, he wants to change things at the academy. He wants to change the under twenty three setup. He wants a couple of little tweaks on the scouting um, system. And, you know, he wants just to know simply how much has he got to spend. And, you know, rather than he almost going and making having to make a case for every single player, he just wants to know how much have we got. Then I can go away. Then I can come back with a list that fits into that, that sort of price category. Uh, it seems like it's simple things he's asking for, but so far that hasn't been sanctioned. Uh, they haven't really sat around the table. His representatives haven't spoken with... Lee Charnley or Mike Ashley and with eight games left um, that that is quite worrying although he did say you know not until the safe so we're not safe yet but you know within a fortnight we could be and if things haven't moved on in a fortnight then it might be time to start um, you know worrying a bit
0: Benitez did say that you would find it hard to walk away Um, do you think Saturday would have just added to that Uh, dilemma because if you're Benitez and we saw against Spurs when Newcastle beat Spurs 5-1 in the final the other season when they were relegated all those years ago well not that many years ago but seems like a lifetime Um, and no no doubt the crowd did play a part in that and again if you're standing on the touchline on Saturday you're rather Benitez you're listening to that crowd who were key in getting Newcastle back into that game surely his decision is going to be even harder
4: it Saturday for me. Showed the sort of paradox that is Benitez because he loves that and he loves the the energy that comes from fans and the fact that at St James's Park the the Newcastle crowd can play such a big role. Yet in all of the aftermath of of the of the goal in the 83rd minute, the the, the winner whenever or whatever minute it was, his backroom staff are all cheering, there jumping, everyone else jumping, and Benitez immediately switches to that cold focused. Uh, professionalism whereby he was trying to see if Everton were going to change formation. He was going back to, to his managerial style and making sure we win this game. So there is that emotional side of him where he really endears to it, but there's also the part where he switches that off. And so undoubtedly you will think, look, this is what St. James's Park could be. This is what I signed up for initially and what I believe we can get to eventually. But the cold, hard facts will come into the matter as well with him. He will look at it in the summer, and he or whenever he sits down, he say, "Can I? Is it realistic that I can achieve what I want to achieve here? I don't want to be fighting relegation every season. Maybe project, maybe build over time. He can deal with, but he currently what's being offered from above, he doesn't. He doesn't want to sign up to. He doesn't think it's what he initially was promised when he came in three years ago. So." yes there is the emotional attachment but I don't think we're going to have the same as when Newcastle went down and they were going in the Championship because at that stage he admitted he let his uh, heart rule his head to a degree but also at that point he thought that they were going down to come back up to then have a real go at things that hasn't quite been uh, how things have panned out and for now he's going to want to see uh, evidence that he can build before I think he will stay Saturday was brilliant and he would have loved it but at the same time I think that there's there's that part of him now where he's been uh, his fingers have been burned a little bit too much by Newcastle and he has to to see evidence that he can build
0: I think he might have thought that third goal was offside because he looks straight up to the screen the big screen uh, it's a James' Park and I think there was a moment he thought yeah that could be offside well it was offside I mean it was (laughs) offside yeah but you know it equals out after Pickford's amazing escape from a red card Lee we all know that Benitez wants to change certain things it's it's no secret you know he's been here three years and he, he pretty much laid it out um, in that summer of the championship, you know, the academy, the training ground, and it looks like there are going to be a few changes at the academy. Uh, I think you tweeted out the announcement yeah. of one staff member who's likely to leave or will leave um, come the end of the season. Do you think that's something to do with Benitez or is that just the choice of the, the staff member?
3: I think there there is going to be tweaks. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a piece on this uh, a little bit later this afternoon, so want to look out for maybe. But you know, Dave Watson is going to be you know going after. I think it's about it's quite a few years now, about six or seven seasons. He's been at the helm, maybe longer. Um, but the under-18s this season haven't had a great one. They've they've been thrashed heavily in some games, and it isn't about results at that level. But obviously, something doesn't seem like it's working, basically. Um, Dave Watson, I believe, has decided, you know, that it's time for pastures new, it moves on. Um, you know, legendary figure at, 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 you know, clubs at Everton and Norwich, where he ends up next, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, it gives Newcastle a chance to, to make some changes and we think there's going to be more than one change. Uh, I went down and spent the, the full day at the academy, back in December. And I I was impressed with the the setup there was fantastic in terms of um, the facilities and, you know, the way they they go about the business and the training and the classes they put on, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, But Rafa wants to put his personal stamp on that. Hasn't been able to do it. Uh, First season was unable to do it because, first full season, sorry, he was unable to do it because promotion was the be all and end all. Second season, things didn't quite go how we wanted behind the scenes, so it's something he wants to get sorted. But until his own future is sorted, and part of that will be the academy, uh, we'll have to wait and see.
0: It'd probably be interesting to look out for who replaces Dave Watson in the Warner because if Benitez wants to put his own spin on it, it's, will it be? Do you think it would be one of his own men coming in? He would he would choose the man to come in. I, I think
3: overall, there's the, the, the people. At the academy, who they, they they hold in in you know good regard, and that there there might be possibly even internal promotion, but I think it's more of a structural thing that that might get changed. Um, will will someone come in to oversee the whole thing? That that's going to be interesting, but again, it depends on if uh, if Rafa remains in charge. Most oh, certainly, and Chris, we'll, we'll stick with
0: the academy. Obviously, last week. The news of Peter Beardsley now officially doesn't work for the club. Um, obviously, that comes after um, a kind of an investigation of certain practices. It, 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 whatever happened and the outcome, we still don't know the full outcome of these investigations. And they, they need to be made public.
4: Yeah, so those allegations made against Peter Beardsley was uh, put on a period of leave last January, well, January twenty eighteen. So and eventually, fourteen months later. Uh, Newcastle released a statement saying that he, he no longer was employed by the club. Beardsley's to his lawyers, also uh, released a statement just saying uh, basically he was looking for a new challenge and he was, he was going elsewhere. But we, we haven't had any confirmation that A, the investigation is over, B, what came from it, were any of the allegations proven or disproven. And I, I just don't think we're in a position at this moment in time whereby that can be seen as satisfactory. I think that there needs to be, given the fact that, that Beardsley Uh, is a club legend, but even by the by, that's almost a moot point. The fact of the matter is that they've had uh, this investigation ongoing. My understanding is the FA wants to to have answers as to exactly what happened with the investigation, whether what the outcome was, and then going forward, I think that that, that there are answers needed. I think fans deserve them. I think the players who made the allegations, Beardsley himself, deserves whatever... As the outcome to be out there because at the moment it's just conjecture, we are unsure and I really think that this is something that going forward needs to be resolved, I wrote a column on it last week and I, I, I stand by that, I think it's important that uh, there are answers because at the moment it can't be that 14 months later Peter Beardsley just leaves the club and then we don't know uh, whether what the reasons behind that were.
0: Allegations of bullying may we add, There are the allegations made and I think everyone will stand by what you've said then, you know the whatever the uh, conclusion is needs to be made publicly again we're going to start with um, the academy Uh, Eliza Sorensen not having the best of times at Blackpool not you know his fault he's not even even getting the chance to play
3: yeah something's very very um, intriguing going on there because when he went you know Blackpool were you know celebrating the fact that they'd won the race to sign him there was over a dozen clubs who were interested in him and now, after scoring 21 goals for the under 23s um, and getting the Danish under 21 team scoring for them, suddenly his momentum has been come to a shuddering and halt. And you know, he's now um, can't even get on the bench for Blackpool in League One, which I find uh, amazing, really, because obviously a player of you know great, great talent. Yeah, okay, he's got a lot to learn, um, but you know, I don't think. He, he felt he was going to Blackpool to learn how to, you know, play, almost be challenging with the Blackpool reserves in, in League One, uh, looking for a, a position there. So whether he gets recalled by Newcastle, I know they were, I know Newcastle are, are furious about this. I mean, they sent someone down to watch Sorensen at the weekend. Uh, it was a complete waste of journey. Um, so you know, didn't even get on the bench, on the bench uh, against Oxford uh, in a game where. They probably they were trailing for a while. Um I mean it's a Blackpool's a a bit of a crazy club. Obviously they've finally got a new owner, I think. Um but you know it's whether it's the right environment to be sending young players this season, I don't know. Sean Longstaff went there last year, but Gary Boyer was in charge. Gary Boyer wanted him and you know, he there was the Sean Longstaff so well managed, um off the pitch, there was no way he would sign for Blackpool unless he was absolutely cast down and guarantee you're going to play every single game. Um, and he pretty much played every game apart from the ones where he had a knock. Um, so that was a well-managed situation. This one isn't. Rafa's kind of hinted at that and his quote, said it was nothing to do with him, the way the deal was set up. Um, and when you are making these loan deals, there has to be some kind of clause or agreement or whatever, in it that's a you know you're going down there to play uh, and if you're going to be sitting on the bench Dan Barley's had the same problem at Crew last season Um he's gone to Akron he's done well this season but he's you know he fell a year behind his development Carl Roberts so, as well is in the same Roberts is in the same position at, at Colchester Um it, it, these guys need to go out and play and there's got to be some kind of guarantee in the contract um, otherwise there's no point in doing it so it's it's a shame for Sorensen because it looks like his season is is ending on with a bit of a whimper after you know such promise. People were talking about giving him a chance in the first team, um, and we mentioned before that there are a couple of things he needs to brush up on. And maybe Blackpool have thought of taken one look at him and thought you're not ready um, for first team life, and that's why he's not. But they're going to have to. Both the clubs are going to have to get together and sort this one out because uh, it's getting a bit ridiculous
0: is indeed. Heading back to the first team, Chris uh, we we'll just talk briefly about the centre midfield um, kind of dilemma. It was spoken about a lot in the run-up to the game. Obviously Key started alongside Hayden. I think Hayden had another uh, very good game obviously getting lots of plaudits for dragging his teammates back to the centre circle when Newcastle got the second, got the equal- equaliser because obviously he felt we can, we can get a third here. Um, Key yeah, I think he did alright in the first half, um, but he didn't. He looked like off the pace. You know, it's he hasn't really had any match action since the Asian Cup, so it's understandable. Shelby comes on for I think twelve minutes, and do you think he made the difference?
4: I don't think Shelby in himself made the difference. I think he helped when he came on. He pushed Newcastle a little bit further forward. I thought his deliveries from set pieces actually was very good. The corners were very good. Um, I know there's been a lot made about his forward passes and I thought a couple of them were decent but I thought a few of them weren't necessarily as effective as some people thought but I did think he helped drive Newcastle forward he looked fresh, he looked like he had a point to prove which is what we want from John Joe Shelby it's when he gets in a bit of a comfort zone I think is in the past is when we haven't seen the best of him so he seems he, he he gave an interview after the game where he seemed frustrated and said that people have written him off um, well if he needs that to motivate him then, then fair enough He Rafa Benitez Uh, didn't think he was ready to come back into the team in the last few weeks, he's now got his opportunity hopefully, from his point of view he's taken it, but in terms of uh, key would have been who I opted for initially, I said it last week I thought first off he was he looked like a player who hadn't played much football recently which he hadn't, he hadn't played for Newcastle since the 22nd of December he'd only played once uh, out in Asia as well, yes he had the friendly in, in Spain, 45 minutes but someone who hadn't had that much football Hayden's second half was very good and yeah I thought that was the moment for me which encapsulated the game is when he went across I spoke to Perez after the game and he said that Hayden and a couple of the other teammates came in and said look an equaliser is great but we can go and win this let's go and for someone I just think Hayden's story though the way he's come back this season is just he deserves so much credit for that the fact that he still wants to leave he still doesn't make any secret of that he wants to be close to his family his family is what's most important to him but professionally you can't question anything he's done since since the turn of the year he's he's been brilliant, he's really added energy to his game, I think that the way he gets around the midfield uh, it's been brilliant and I just hope that he continues, he thoroughly deserves to be in in the team, I think it is Hayden plus another uh, for me next weekend again because I don't think there's any reason to drop him, I wasn't sure once Longstaff came out of the team whether that partnership being broken up would affect him but again I thought he was excellent and he, he should start for me again next weekend
0: most certainly. I think this is going to be about the fourth podcast in a row where we're just praising Isaac Hayden And we might actually name it, name it, Isaac Hayden podcast eventually. But I mean, very interesting interview in the Times uh, a couple of weeks back. You know, talking about why once leave actually going into depth. It's not just personal reasons. It? he actually goes into depth. You know, that the birth of his child very traumatic for him and his partner. The baby, I think, was six weeks premature. So it's understandable. Family comes first. Um, do you think though that Benitez stops and there's any chance that they can persuade Hayden to, to stay at Newcastle and, and I know that would probably mean his family relocating here so it's not looking likely but I mean in an ideal world I mean Benitez would want Hayden to stop?
3: Uh, well, probably he would um, but at the end of the day I think the reason he did end up staying was because Rafa said to his board look if he yeah if he has to go for obvious reasons he's got to go Um but I want a replacement. Now, Newcastle didn't come up with a replacement, so Hayden has ended up staying here, um, playing absolutely brilliantly at the minute. Talking to somebody this morning who was saying, you know, is he going to get an England call-up, which if he did, you you wouldn't be surprised by that at the moment. He's obviously played for the under-21s, Southgate knows him well, Um, without getting carried away. um, you know, I I thought he was one of the more unsung heroes, really, at the weekend. Uh, He involved in all three goals, but the thing I think everyone was talking about was the fact that he was pulling the players back to get restarted at two-two to go on and win the game, and that's that's the sign of a you know a future captain almost. Um, it's great leadership to 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 be doing that, and all the players you know tapped into it because they all ran back with him and then end up getting the winner, which he was involved in. He, as I say, involved in all three goals in some way. So. Playing very well at the minute. Again, it's going into Bournemouth. It's now who who partners him again. Key looked, he was looked like he was getting you know feeling his way back into things. Uh, you know he did get on the ball a fair bit, but he's not really an attacking midfielder. Um, Army, something definitely going on with the contract there. I know we mention that every podcast. Uh, and Shelby, well, he, you know he came on, he made a contribution. I, I was a bit surprised by his comments. After the game, I didn't think they were necessary to, to make that. He was making out that he'd come off the bench and got a hat trick, basically, when really he'd only came on played 12 minutes. Yeah, he got he got on the ball a bit, but it wasn't about John Joe Shelby at the end of the game, so I was surprised by his comments. I'd like to know who he's referring to, because I, I don't think I've read anything that said his career was finished at Newcastle. All that people have said is what he said, which is this competition for places. So... Strange comments. Um Bournemouth away. You've got to look at that one, I think was it last season when he got absolutely hammered on match of the day by was it Frank Lampard, I think it was at the time? I
0: think it might have been some defensive flaps, wasn't he? Yeah, Had two two yeah. in a week, I think.
3: So he's gotta go down there, maybe with that fresh in his memory, uh, or it'll be fresher if he's listening to this. Um and he's gotta go down there and put in a Put in performance. I do like John Joe Shelby. I think he's a really great character to have around, but he's still got a lot of proof. Do
0: you think you've got to put Shelby's performance into context? Um, he, he attempted six long balls and he hit six long balls. However, he was coming on against a side who, quite clearly, I think if he, one of us three was on the pitch and attempted a long ball against their two centre backs, it probably would have reached Rondon. They were woeful in that second half. They couldn't handle uh, Legier and Ches, uh You know, boots forward so yeah. do you think in context it was the right game for him whereas Bournemouth might not be?
4: Well it was the right game for I'm not going to say that Bournemouth won't be because we have to wait and see what happens there but it, for me it's a lot easier to come into an environment whereby at that point the momentum was with Newcastle as soon as Newcastle scored the first there was, an, I said it on Saturday I thought there was an air of inevitability about what would happen. happened even if Perez's winner had been disallowed for offside I'm convinced Newcastle would have gone on and won it because Everton's might, Everton just looked mentally shot second half and they kept dropping deeper and deeper they couldn't as you say the centre backs just could not deal with when Newcastle were playing the ball long Uh, Kenny the right back who came in because Coleman was injured uh, in the warm up he had a really really difficult afternoon so yes everything was in Shelby's favour but you've still got to come on and deliver and he did do quite well when he came on but going forward it's about making sure if he does start matches that he has a positive effect throughout it's not just about those games at St James's he needs to do it the question mark I've always had about John Joe Shelby is those matches where by, you need Newcastle are struggling a little bit and they need the, the people in the in the midfield they need someone to really take control and make the right decisions whether it's to keep the ball or whether it's to play the long ball not always go for the same option but to, to just to manage the game correctly and I think that's where all the question marks have always been with me for John Joe Shelby he has the talent but it's about utilising it as best he can I think Benita's holds the same reservations and hopefully if he gets the opportunity in the last eight games of the season he, he shows that he has learned and during his time off which you referred to as torture uh, in in the his uh, program notes hopefully that uh, he shows that he deserves to start
1: hi there it's caroline foran from owning it the anxiety podcast and this is a staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Just a couple of questions. Um, from some listeners Rob Smythe asks if there's any truth in the rumours um, of Spurs and Arsenal looking at Fabian Che, who again had another good game against Everton he did look like he was about to lose his, his head at one point threw the ball down in disgust uh, had a nice incident down at the, the, the advertising boards with uh, a couple of Everton players uh, kept his, managed just to keep his cool uh, just but he's had a decent few months um, obviously came in for a bargain price could you see him heading to a to a top four side?
3: I mean in terms of has he been I'd be more surprised if he if he hadn't really because he's a player who was, you know, at the World Cup last year. he would have been looked at by every Premier League club really. Um and you know, he's come in the limelight in the last few weeks because, you know, he scored some great goals. Um he's just showed exactly what he can do offensively. Uh and, you know, the fact Newcastle paid three million for him. Great bargain. Another one that Rafa's kind of, you know, found out about the claws and and got it in the bag. Uh, and you know, if Newcastle were to sell them for four or five times that much, then I'm sure they would uh, they would they would relish that opportunity. You don't want to see Newcastle selling players, but sadly they've done it so much in the past. That it wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Arsenal or Tottenham came knocking, um, that Newcastle would you know sell up.
0: Yeah. Uh, yes. I suppose that is the worry. Um, for fans, but I guess it's a good thing that we. Last season, we were talking about Lascelles being the one who could potentially be sold. This year, we're talking about Shea, and Obviously, Lejeune has also been uh, been brilliant since returning. Again, we've always we've spoken over the other last few months about how good the defence has been. Um, weren't as good on Saturday, but uh, they, they held strong in the last twenty minutes or so. But it's just good to see that Benitez has got so many options. I mean, Fernandez, who was spoken about. Uh, really well at the start he's he's nowhere to be seen
4: yeah he hasn't been in the match day squad um, he could come back this weekend given that we don't know how bad LaSalle's knee injury is yet and also with Cher getting in the yellow card but the thing with the defence is I think it's working I, I'm going to say this haven't seen Saturday when they didn't do particularly well first half but I think it's working better at home now than there's away from home I think away from home I mentioned this last week I think that sometimes they're getting a little bit exposed uh, with the, particularly when they play on, on big pitches like they did at the Olympic Stadium whereby or London Stadium, sorry as now uh, whereby Lejeune or Cher sometimes get dragged out of positions sometimes they, they struggle for pace but I do like the dynamic of, of of those three together I think it's certainly helping Newcastle offensively and I think the risk reward of that the fact that those two either side of La or whoever it may be next weekend in central defence. Uh, really gives Newcastle the ability to play the ball forward, get the ball from back to front quickly. Lejeune's through ball for the for the Rondon chance before the goal, where it just trickled past the post, was was fantastic, and we see that on, on a regular basis. So that is a, one of their positions of strength. Dummick came on second half. First was playing as a left centre back, then when the change formation was left back, and he looked very good. I thought he he really looked sharp again, and 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 back to his best on a period he's he's been struggling with injuries. So Newcastle are blessed in defence have plenty of options there and so that's the one area they probably can afford maybe a couple of injuries going forward.
0: I guess Lee the return of uh Paul Dummett, you know, comes on for the cells you know, for a man who's not really been involved and for a man who I, I've always said he doesn't look that comfortable comfortable going forward, he nearly scored as I'm gonna call it, he nearly called a scored a share because it was a um, an absolute wonder strike. Um but he just looked like he'd been playing in that team every week and it, it was great to see that that was four at the back there, which obviously moved up a little bit, and that looked like it worked. I don't know whether it was the momentum of the game, whether it was the occasion, but Dummett really did slot right back into that left back role, and it's nice to see that maybe away, way that's 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 how they could play.
3: It'd be very interesting. I mean, in terms of goal scoring he has he has got that in his locker. He has scored for the first team before. Obviously, came on the scene and scored against Liverpool all those years back, uh, and in training very much a regular goal scorer where we are seen out in in Spain at the training camp he, he got a couple of goals in the practice game and that one but he's told to play this this you know ultra defensive role and that's what he does for the first team and he does it so well and for a player that has had critics um he's had so much thrown at him down the years in terms of criticism and you know social media jibes all that sort of thing and he just keeps shrugging it off coming back doing his job and you know keeping people quiet basically and I think that's a testament to him I mean I know I know him and his dad um really well uh you know his dad's a great character as well massive Newcastle fan who you know goes all the games delighted that his son's playing for Newcastle but ever since he came in the team you know he's, he's helped keep uh Paul's feet firmly on the ground and you know, after he scored that goal against Liverpool, he said, Yeah, well done, you've done your job. Now you've got to go out and do it again next week. And it's been that sort of mentality all the way through. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he'd have been a proud man on Saturday night watching his son captain Newcastle with a big victory against Everton um, at St James Park. Most certainly. I'm going to get on to Rafa his it? three years and I'm
0: going to ask you for your kind of best moments. But I just want to mention one last thing. Richie, obviously, very heavily involved again on Saturday, you know, running himself into the ground, looking across the ball. He gets brought off for, uh, I think it was for Kennedy. You know, no shake of the head, no grumbles. He's, you know, he's straight off, straight down onto the bench. It's great to see. I mean, we could look back at the the Chelsea goalkeeper, and his reaction when he was, um, well, he wasn't subbed off in the end. But Matt Ritchie has before grumbled about coming off, but it was great to see, I thought, on Saturday, him just getting off that pitch as soon as, you know, he could sitting down and then obviously to full time giving Perez a massive hug on the pitch which I'm sure you've all seen the photographs of
4: yeah that was I think that was my favourite moment on Saturday just Richie if he's, it wasn't just that, that he gave him a hug he sort of ruffled Perez's hair and he basically you could see, he was almost saying to him y- you've, you've got me out of one year because Pe- Richie tried his hardest on Saturday but just didn't really come off from him I mean first half the penalty miss he knew how crucial that was he was partly at fault for the first goal was probably shrugged off a little bit too easily for the second goal as well and he knew uh, and I think that that's why he, was, he wasn't he was reluctant to come off he knew that the momentum was swinging he'd already been moved forward and I thought he did contribute second half when he was pushed forward and he knew that it was all about the team and at the end of the day Matt Ritchie's a winner he wants to win and sometimes he recognises that he if he can't facilitate that he has to, to let someone come on I thought Kennedy was quite good when he came on I thought he he was direct. He he pushed a bit further forward more than we've seen him recently. I he thought made that was
0: an excellent challenge as well. Um I did. him yeah. on the counter, and he, I think he lost the ball and then he went back after him, and mm-hmm. yet and uh, managed to win it back. And it was a it was a great challenge. Not quite sure who it was on, but you know, he, he did the defensive work that he, he needed to do.
4: Yeah, he did, and and so that was hopefully Kennedy as well. We can start to see something from him in the last eight games because the first thirty of this season have been disappointing to say the very least. But in, in terms of Richie. Um, I think yeah, he just realised that Saturday wasn't quite his day. He'd given all the contribution he could, and it was about making sure Newcastle went and won the game, which they did. And then, rather than be angry about the fact that that someone else has stolen the limelight, he went in there and he he made it clear to Perez and said that this was your day. Brilliant, well done, thank you for, for getting us the win. And now now he's going to go back to his former club next weekend, and I think he'll have a point to prove when he goes back to the South Coast.
0: So I mean, there were just there was lots of lovely moments on Saturday. Wasn't everyone seeing the photographs of the crowd? Um, the story is, I think it's a three year old kid at his first game being lifted up in his dad's arms as, as, as a squad, the winner. And then we, we enjoyed one of the ball boys or one of the mascots running off at uh, kickoff in the porn rain who had definitely just been given his dad or his mum's gloves. It must have been, what, a four year old kid with adult sized gloves on. It was quite a, an amusing start of the game. Um, and on to more great moments, like we've mentioned, Rafa Benitez, three years at Newcastle. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, because I think me and Chris are going to record a podcast next week about uh, McLaren's time and charge at Newcastle and how it went so wrong. If Benitez had been brought in um, after that 5-1 thumping against Chelsea, do you think Newcastle would have survived?
4: I think there'd have been a better chance. Benitez would have had more time. He would have had that period between the matches to to have got them ready and then he he maintained still that, that Norwich and Sunderland games t- came just too early in his ten. he couldn't quite turn things around so maybe if he'd had that extra time they would have had a game away at Stoke as well uh, which they lost So and Bournemouth at home as well where they, they lost 3-1 so potentially yes, unfortunately it's all ifs, buts and maybes but I do think they would have had a decent chance, they almost did it anyway from a position where it looked basically impossible once they'd lost to Norwich they got back to, to the position where they could have done but Yes, it probably is one of those sliding door moments where if Newcastle had acted a little bit sooner, potentially they would never have lost the Premier League stage in the first place.
0: We'll keep this briefly because I know you've got to get off because you are the reserve snipe. But just describe to our listeners the moment you first got wind that Rafa Benitez might be coming to Newcastle as manager.
3: Yeah, I got um, got a phone call. I mean, obviously it was the it was the same day that you had Bob Monk, Lee uh, and Graham Carr met. Met up in York um, to discuss what was going to happen, uh, and Rafa Benitez's name got mentioned. Uh, at first, you you do wonder with such a big name if, if there's any realistic chance of him coming. After all, he had just left Real Madrid not long before that. But I was told it was for real. I was told he was he was interested in coming, and. Phew, I was I was delighted to to hear that. Obviously, with Newcastle, you just wonder if they can get the deal done, but they managed to do it. Credit to them at the time, and yeah, it's been it's been for me a successful move. Yes, there was relegation at the start, but that was quickly rectified, and now we're just waiting in limbo again. What can happen next?
0: Your your favorite moment?
3: Oh, it's been so many, really. Um, I mean, <laughs> You could even one of one of the the great moments was when Newcastle already been relegated when the whole stadium was chanting, you know Rafa Benitez we want you to stay. I mean that was that was fantastic. But uh, I think there was what if I could boil it down to one specific moment it would be the night where Newcastle confirmed promotion to be pressed north end and there was just that that moment where Rafa went round the pitch on his own and, and I, th- I think he was very emotional. And we're talking about this emotional football man who just doesn't think about anything but football. And he just kind of, it was almost a moment where I'm like, look, I've got his back to the Premier League, you know, thanks very much, sort of thing. And I just don't think he's been a real credit to the region since he came here. And, uh, you know, we just want him to stay.
4: And, Chris, for you, I'm going to go for a strange one, to be honest, but it actually was the first away win of the championship season which was Bristol City away and it was because it was a game Newcastle didn't play very well in and given the appalling away record that I think it was something like nine months since they'd won an away game it was Spurs away the, the season before and he just got to the point where he just wondered can that actually win on the road and just the way Benitez managed them through that game they weren't playing very well they scored in the first half brilliant move where Diarmé played through to, to Dwight Gay and it was just it was the, the first moment in the championship season where you realised that this was a man who even now admits that he didn't know the championship when he first came to England it's not like if he was in Spain he had to adapt he had to learn everything he possibly could but he put so much dedication into that that he knew everything about Bristol City he knew they were, the way they were going to attack and he, he made sure that Newcastle were just resilient and hard to beat and at that point that's when I really saw first hand just how good a tactical manager he was and how much he could just instill a game plan into his team and from then on it's just got more and more impressive it, it was it. Far from sexy game, it was wasn't a one of the moments which was really stick in the head. But just for me, I remember sitting at at Ashton Gate that day and just thinking, yeah, this this is this is what Newcastle need right now.
0: I enjoyed the uh, the, the victory away to Stoke last season, but I think what many people don't see is him at press conferences on a Friday. And um, obviously, you guys go to a lot more than I've been to. But it was just a couple of weeks ago um, when we said to him, uh, I don't think you you were away somewhere, Chris. But the question was about his future, and it was Luke Edwards who said, you know, we have to ask this question and it, it was just a bit of banter between everyone because Benitez knows we have to ask the question, you know, he knows it's coming and it was, it's just little moments between the journalists, you know, he's, he's a very friendly guy and when things are going well, um, you know, he's a, he's a, it's brilliant to be around him.
4: It is, I mean, he can be spiky as well if he wants to be, like any manager, he can also make a point when he wants to, but what he is very, very good at is he doesn't say anything that he doesn't want to if Raf Benitez speaks he has a message he wants to get out there and no matter what the question he can very very easily just Lee he'll probably back me up on this if he if he has a message he wants it no matter what question you ask him the answer will revert back to whatever he wants the answer to be but he, he's a very personable man he's very likable uh very good to deal with um and sometimes he isn't the most quotable but that's because he is very very clever at what he, he, he says and does he knows how to manage the situation and he's someone who has vast experience and really Newcastle have reached the reward and you just see his warmth I mean you just hear Newcastle fans all the tales of of when they're walking down the street or whatever and they've bumped into Rafa or uh, the story the other week about the the, the, the lad and, and that he went back to speak yeah, to Jack Jack yeah I mean these stories that is just what Rafa Benitez is like he is just a nice man in a personal sense but he's also he has that ruthless side as a manager which makes him so effective and he I think he's been brilliant for Newcastle I think he's re-energised the club and long may that continue, hopefully. If I remember
0: rightly, Benitez told Luke after that question that he loved him. So that was a, a unique answer. But Lee, no doubt we'll get onto this as soon as Newcastle are safe. We'll probably do a feature-length podcast and all that. But we're hoping for, hopefully, another three years of Rafa Benitez, if
3: not more. Well, it would be nice. Um, but as I say, it's, you know, Newcastle, it's a strange one. They seem to be saying, look, there is a contract on the table for you. Um, you can stay here but you're going to have to do it our way. And whether Rafa Benitez feels that is the right way uh, is, is highly debatable. So there's going to have to be some kind of compromise, some kind of, you know, sitting down, calm down kind of time. And yeah, you just hope that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be sooner rather than later. But at the minute, you know, it is, we are drifting towards that kind of, that concerning part where you know if they say they beat Bournemouth say they get a result in the next game you know we need news quickly that you know this is going to be alright and there's got to be some reassurance out there of the fans because they're the ones who deserve to know but he wants to stay doesn't he? He wants, he he wants to stay if he gets the assurances well yeah I mean he would have signed the contract last summer if they'd agreed to what he wanted so uh it, you know it wouldn't be an issue now so but the fact of the matter is, it's it's something that just continues. Uh, the the agony is prolonged uh, every week. Every press conference gets asked about it. So, and it'll go on until Newcastle are, are safe. And then after that, I'm sure he'll he'll have another sort of curveball to throw in there. Uh, but the emphasis is on Newcastle. Do it, you know. I mean, going back to you know Freddie Shepherds, John Hall, they they would have locked him in a room until he he signed the deal he wanted, and they gave him all the assurance he, he needed. But that's a it's a different era um, and a different owner. Do you think he's got a good
0: relationship with Lee like Charney in the talk every day? Um, but do you think for him to sign a contract, he'll need to meet Mike Ashley face to face and not just over the phone? But you'll want to sit down with him,
3: across the table, and, and do it that done, way. He's done that before though, and we're still here. So that I don't think he'll uh, need to see it all written down. I don't what someone says face to face is worth nothing unless it's actually you know built into a contract written down legally binding all that sort of thing and mike ashley being a businessman he may not want to you know commit to that he might say look you're being well paid we're offering you the chance to stay at a fantastic football club we're offering you the chance to stay in the uk which we know you want to do um you know the chance is there for you now uh but rafael say, well i want to do it, you know my way so this one could rumble on. It's uh, it's something that I'll never leave. we short of things to write about. Finally, Chris, what needs to change then, do you think, for him to start?
4: Well, he needs to get the. It needs to be a change from above, really. It needs to be a change in uh, the offer that's currently there. And I don't mean financial, I don't mean contract wise. I mean, in terms of, as Lee's already reiterated, all these points, the change, basically, a change of vision more than anything else. It needs to be the idea that progress is. is the be-all and end-all that Newcastle United are looking to progress. It's not about just staying in the Premier League year-on-year. Year. He's not interested in that. If he, he could keep Newcastle up every year if they asked him to. Even on his shoestrings he's proven. But he doesn't want to do that. He's done that for the last two years and now it's about trying to, to build and trying to get better and eventually he spoke about it on Friday. He said he would like to to be challenging 10th to 7th every season. And then once you build that up over time, a you can target trophies in European football, and B, once you get yourself in such a strong position, that top six, maybe if one year something goes wrong for one of that top six, you can break into it if you do everything right. So that's the position he wants to get himself into. He believes Newcastle are one of the few clubs who can really challenge for that, given the infrastructure, given the fan base, given the size of the club. But he needs he needs promises and he needs reassurances that he can do that
0: and do you know, I did, did say finally but this will be the final question because it's been talked about all weekend, well sorry yesterday um, just the actions of I'm not going to call them football fans I'm going to call them morons because that is what they are um, on the pitch we saw Jack Grealish obviously a man who's not going to have to ever buy a pint or an orange juice um, in Newcastle again given he did help Newcastle to the title, championship title, um, obviously he was punched by a fan in the in the, the Birmingham-Aston Villa derby. We saw Smalling pushed uh, by an Arsenal fan. We saw uh, James Tavernier pushed by, um, I think it was a Burnham fan. It's it's a disgrace, isn't it? I mean, Alan Shearer has called for point deduction for Birmingham. Uh, he wants the hardest possible punishment. Do you agree with Alan Shearer?
3: I agree with everything Alan Shearer has, has said on that. I mean, it was a, a cowardly attack. You know, anything anyone does behind someone's back is, is, is a cowardly thing to do um, you know Grealish just getting on with the game and you know we can't have that because you know going back to the early 90s when um, football became this family game again you know and after like decades of you know horrible things like that happening all the time um, people run on pitches um, safety issues lots of dark things that happened and then we kind of you know the game got cleaned up a lot and it, it became again uh, you know like my parents were like reluctant for me to go to football games um when i was a young kid um because of things like that and you know people watching that now you know if, they, if that can happen to a player on the pitch it can happen to anybody in the stands so it needs to be completely stamped out heavy penalty um, I mean, that guy's not a fan. He's just using football as a platform to to, to show the thug that he is. Because um, you know, if you do that in the street, you'd be behind bars. So you know, that that's probably where he should be now.
4: Yeah, I think that it, it's been it's worrying the the trend over the weekend that it has cut, It's not just nicely an incident. There was at least three set, but obviously the the most serious was at St Andrews, and the football authorities need to act. Clubs need to act. Whether. It's very difficult I accept to, to police every single area of the stadium and have stewards everywhere. But the the amount of time the ability he had to get on the pitch for me was concerning then particularly in a high profile game like that, it wasn't just any sort of match, it was a second city derby. The amount of instance that have been similar to that, I think there was one earlier in two thousands in that match and these need to be sorted out. Uh, I agree with Lee it's, it's not a football fan who's done that it's, and, and the, the, the cheering in the ground was a concern for was, me and the applause I disgusting I, I, wasn't it I found that quite incredible and, and quite unsavoury and so there's instances there's also alleged racist chanting again at some of the games over the weekend so that really there is a problem at the moment in, in, in football I think in English football I think things are starting to get a little bit out of control and uh, certainly people who are oh, Chanting or allegedly chanting these things, and also committing these incidents, they need to take a long, hard look at themselves from start. But also, uh, the football authorities, clubs, police, everyone needs to make sure that act on this and, uh, and and stop it from happening if it all gets too far out of control.
0: Yes, they certainly do. Well, that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for joining us. If so we head over to chronicle.live.co.uk Uk, keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. Um, thank you very much.